This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black on Federal News Network. One-on-one interviews with the people who've left a lasting imprint on the government and the nation. Now your host, Aileen Black. Today I'm talking with Suzette Kent, Federal Chief Information Officer at U.S. Office of Management and Budget. Suzette Kent is an industry leader in large-scale business transformation using technology for the world's most complex organizations. Before taking the role of federal CIO, Suzette served as principal at EY, partner at Accenture, consulting president at Character Corporation, and managing director of J.P. Morgan. Although technology change has been at the core of her professional career, retooling the workforce and creating new opportunities for people has been an essential element of effort she has led. Ms. Kent has served as an enterprise leader for organizational learning, diversity, and inclusiveness, and career development at every organization in which she worked. She's a frequent speaker in global industry forums, publisher of Thorpe Leadership Pieces. Suzette, it is a pleasure having you on the show today. And as we're practicing social distancing, we're both recording uh, at our homes. Uh, so again, welcome to this, this unusual format of our show. Thank you for having me. So Suzette, I got to start. What a challenging time for all of us with this current threat of COVID-19. This is impacting everyone across the world. People are looking for clarity, for communication, and to find courage from leadership. What steps are you taking to lead your team during this time? That is such an important question right now. And in times where we have challenges and we have situations where they don't follow the norm, lots of different variables, um, the communication, open, candid, frequent communications are, are more important. You know, we, we have a sense of business urgency and particularly with COVID of urgency around response, but we have to make sure that we're spending, you know, people time as well. And that means checking in on people more frequently, creating a forum and expecting that there's going to be more questions. You know, people deal with stress in different ways. And the complexities of this situation affects people in such a wide variety of ways. We have to have more flexibility in hearing and understanding those concerns and putting forth options for those concerns. So some people in government often take comfort in those really detailed processes. They know what's going to happen at this time and this step, and there's a certain cadence. Can we take that cadence away? And it it doesn't exist sometimes in emergency responses. Um, We have to fill that with answering questions and being responsive. And in this situation, I've actually heard some team members saying that they're struggling with being bombarded with so much information, and it makes them anxious and overwhelmed. And we have to pause and kind of understand and help, you know, curate that as well. And one of the other really important things from a leadership standpoint that has been something in this case, I've been so proud across the federal CIO community is being able to make really swift decisions. It's so important uh, to be able to move quickly. Yes, use as much data as available and follow um, existing processes, but in emergency response and many times uh, being able to make decisions swiftly is critical to our ability to achieve 
important outcomes. You know, you, you're clearly a strong leader, Suzette, and, and there has, has there been an event or a person that has inspired you or had a tremendous impact on you as a leader, maybe that you are drawing from for today to lead in this very stressful times? I was reflecting with one of my team members about over my career in times where I've been in different types of crisis situations. You know, I was a management consultant uh, during the, in a financial institution on, during 9-11. I was a senior leader at a bank during the, the financial crisis. And in all of those situations, they were, they were things that had some, you know, had characteristics of broad impact to our workforce, our day-to-day -day life, the way that we interact uh, with our government. And in some cases, it also caused us to rethink things. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a story to your point and kind of boil it down to a technology item. You know, prior to 9-11, we had been doing a lot of technology work posing the question of, you know, why do we have to move paper checks around anymore? Why can't we use electronic images? We can do, we can use that for, for posting, for account servicing. We can do things flexibly and, you know, not have uh, so many bumps in supply chain logistics. But it was something where it was still a resistance to change. There was still always that one thing that wasn't exactly perfect, but you know, 9-11 brought horror, fear, and despair, but it was also a catalyst for change. In that particular situation, when planes didn't fly, paper didn't move, and we had to keep the financial system up and going, acceptance happened, and the paradigm of moving paper around was really broken. Um, we then moved forward with using, you know, images, and that forever changed that component of financial exchange, but also services that citizens receive. I bet, you know, there's not any of your listeners uh, get paper checks if they even get a paper statement uh, from their financial institution. It changed the way that we thought and it drove acceptance in a different way. It also, the financial crisis showed us the interconnectedness of business and global risk. And that impacted me in a way where I try to look at the end-to-end -end process and understand not just the things under our purview, how those are gonna happen, but what are the other pieces in the process? And that's one of the, the things that, that's happening right now is we look at many of the products and services or the, the services that our federal agencies provide and the products that serve our citizens, states and local governments have a role in some of those. And other groups have roles. We have to look at the end-to-end -end, um, distribution of those and ensure that we have continuity of mission across all those pieces. And sometimes, you know, in crisis, when things don't work as planned, you see where you have challenges and weak links, um, and you have to address those. And that gives you the list of areas to focus on for resiliency going forward. And um, I'll end it, I'll end with one last uh, quick, you asked about, you know, people and, and things that have shaped, you know, my career and how you might lead. Um, I've had many professional mentors and I've learned from whom I've learned 
all kinds of different things and at different points in my career. And I, I know we're going to talk a little bit about that later, but one of my lifelong mentors was actually my first real boss. And he taught me at a really early point in my career, how to present an unpopular opinion to a team and, and how to put risk factors on a ta on the table for consideration yet keep a strong working relationship with all the individuals involved and ensure that we were working towards the best outcome even if you had to surface things that were, were complicated to get through and those are really important lessons in situations like now when when sometimes you have decisions, you have to make decisions, and all of them have really difficult choices embedded in them. And the implications uh, may also be difficult. Um, it, it gives you a framework for how to get through those, how to best leverage the team, and also how to communicate the driving decision factors. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Suzette Kent, Federal Information Officer at U.S. Office of Management and Budget. Suzette, if someone was to ask you who worked for you today or in the past, describe you to, as a leader, what do you think they would say? I loved this question because I, I actually had to reflect on it myself, and, and the answer is it, would, it actually depends on what phase of my career you might have asked uh, that, that person or that teammate. Some things have always been constant. You know, I'm constantly curious. I'm not daunted by a challenge. As a matter of fact, the hallmark of most of the things that I'm, of which I am most proud in my career and excited have been challenges and things that haven't been solved before. Um, I'm very direct. I care about the people on my team. I care about diversity and I'm always motivated by doing the right things. And I think, I, I would hope that, that those things would be recognized, whether it was my you know, first job out of college or, or things that I've done um, later in a senior leadership role. But other things I've, I've learned along the way and, and my style and both day to day and, and in critical decisions has changed uh, because of it. I was probably more of a micromanager early in my career. I thought I had to know, you know everything about every step of a process or exactly how somebody was gonna do something. But now after I've had the experiences of working globally at many different companies, many different types of people, I actually know there's lots of different pathways to success. And as a leader, it's more important to be very clear about the results that you expect and the outcomes and sometimes focus less, you know, be less intense on the individual, you know, pathways uh, to get there. And you know, those things, um, I hope, help in situations, especially uh, like many of the efforts in government where you're often working with a team that you have to lead through influence. They're not direct reports. They're not you know, all even part of the same organization. So being able to, to, to bring, you know, kind of clarity of message together at the top level is something that, you know, I learned along the way um, and I had to hone myself. 
So you, uh, you know, I've heard people describe that you really keep your cool in a stressful environment. So what strategies do you employ to keep that calm, you know, clear communications um, in times like this where, you know, you're just dealing with chaos um, really ensuing in many locations? Yeah. That, that is a, a, a question and um, thank you for that comment. I, I do know in many of the situations as, as, as I commented about having been through different types of crises, you know, I will also mention I spent a, an early part of my career in the, in the Gulf South where we were constant react, constantly reacting to, you know, hurricanes and things like that as a global leader. Um, I dealt with typhoons and floods in major areas of business, and I, uh, I, I think in situations of stress, you see the best of individuals, you see the worst of individuals, but you also, you have to focus on what you're trying to do for, you know, recovery, and, you know, it, it, at times that are incredibly stressful, um, I tend to focus, kind of laser focus, on what actions we're trying to drive and let the rest of the traffic and the other things fall away. Um, I draw some of my own, you know, inner inner peace and, and strength, you know, not only from my family, but for from getting, you know, outside um, and ensuring that, you know, I'm grounded and calm because that helps you stay focused on that set of priorities and not be reactionary. And it's very important for leaders, especially when many variables and many standard processes are changing to be one of the ambassadors, you know, of calm and focus, uh, especially when there are teams that are, you know, on the front lines uh, dealing with challenges. I'm speaking with Suzette Kent, Federal Information, Federal Chief Information Officer at U.S. Office of Management and Budget. After the break, we'll discuss on how she handles the most important decisions and how to make them in good times or in crisis. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black. And today I'm talking with Suzette Kent, Federal Chief Information Officer at U.S. Office of Management and Budget. Suzette, you were named CIO in early 2018. What accomplishments are you most proud of that you and your team have been able to accomplish? That particular question uh, could, could probably take us through the rest of the segment, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'll, I'll try to hit some of the top ones. Um, first of all, I have to say that it is a privilege every single day to be serving in the role as the federal CIO and work with all of the agencies across our executive branch and to partner with those teams to deliver on all the individual missions and to, to take on the challenge that this administration issued around technology modernization, ensuring that federal agencies could serve, could use technology in a way to serve citizens that was, you know, on par with the things that we see in the private sector. And, and that's one of the reasons I was so excited about the role. Um, so I'm proud of 
the work that has been done collectively. And, you know, before I list, go through some of that list, you know, I, I want to say that even though you're asking me the question, the accomplishments that I am walking through are the reflect the success, the labors, the hard work of many, many people, uh, not only on my own team at OSCIO, team members at OMB, and then our partners across, you know, every federal agency. And so I am proud that we have been able to remove antiquated policy that created barriers from, you know, for agencies for using modern technology and using technology, you know, in a way that allows us to serve digitally, to move quickly. Um, I'm proud that we have the first ever federal data strategy out. And, and that lets us move to a position of recognizing not only data as a strategic asset, but using that to drive mission, to drive decision-making, to evaluate our outcomes, and in many cases, to share that um, with the private sector industry to stimulate industry, our economy, to support national security, and, and so many other things. And, and that is an important step in how we build a country that can not only leverage data, but use the capabilities of advanced technologies as we look into the future. I am uh, proud we found ways to invest in the workforce, whether it was through reskilling, the things to build broad communities of practice. And that's been really important because sometimes the reason that we haven't embraced modern technology is that we haven't made those those right investments in the team members that have to support it. You know, we're all very comfortable with the things that we know. Part of the journey is ensuring that we are giving people the tools to continue to be successful. And right now, I am especially proud that these efforts in modern technology and people and digital processes, they're actually sustaining mission continuity in this crisis situation. And they're helping us to respond when agencies talk about things that they've done in a matter of days and a couple of weeks and creating new capabilities as part of the response, that's because of some of these investments, you know, that, that we've made. Um, you know, the, the, the successes um, that I, I just walked through and the accomplishments are the things that I'm very, you know, proud of. And I believe that they're critical to the future state that we're trying to create for our nation. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Suzette Kent, Federal Chief Information Officer at U.S. Office of Management and Budget. Before your role in government today, you were in private industry and some pretty critical executive positions in the financial industry. What is the biggest difference that you have found between the private sector side versus government as an executive? This is a question that uh, different individuals have asked me, actually on both sides. You know, folks in the private sector will say, what's it like in government? And you know, folks in government have uh, sometimes said, you know, hey, how are you handling these differences? But a few of the, you use the term kind of aha, that the, a few of the things that I would compare, the moving from private sector to public sector 
one of the biggest adjustments for me was the complexity of aligning executive direction and allocation of resources and measuring success. And let me explain that a little bit. You know, the equations are a lot more simple on the private sector side, right? The CEO directs, you get all the resources, you're going after a goal, and the measures of success are mathematical things like the bottom line and customer satisfaction. Kind of a you know pretty pretty straight line. But in the government, right, you you've got clear administration priority. But the funding process, you know, is is much longer and more complicated. And how success is defined becomes even more complicated. Is it, you know, is it hitting certain goals? Is it in the eyes of the constituents? How do we measure that? And how do we measure that, you know, in a country with significantly diverse opinions? So when I think about that in a technology perspective, you know, private sector felt more like a foot race, and sometimes government feels a little bit like an obstacle course. And, you know, the, the opportunities, though, and the things that are exciting is when there are leaders that are willing to challenge, you know, a mandate from the 40s, <laughs> a business process from the 60s, or look at a service model that was built before we had computers or mobile phones and say, we can do this better now. Those things are exactly the same in, you know, private sector and public sector it is that great leaders and especially those in the technology community continue to ask the question, how do we do this better? Your exposure to the Washington DC area or scene was limited before you took your current role. You have clearly made a huge impact since you started your role in early 2018, Suzette. You have won numerous awards and accolades, but what was the biggest leadership challenge as a new executive on the block when you arrived in your new role here in DC? There, there were a lot of uh, interesting challenges, but yeah, I think one of the important things was how to challenge status quo without disenfranchising people. You know, how to ask, why are you doing it this way without making someone feel like they were actually, they were doing something wrong or um, under, making sure that, that I understood how to change something that a person, a team, or an agency, they, they've done for years but ensure that they were part of the solution and that they were really invested in, you know, the, the targeted outcome. And that was, you know, a little bit different journey, especially when oftentimes the various communities, whether it's the technology community, the acquisition community, the human capital community, weren't they they all had to get kind of aligned around the same objective and the measures of success like we just talked about are a little bit different for those groups so being able to uh, and bold enough to ask the question and get people to say how can we rather than starting with no you can't do this and this is why not that, that was a, an adjustment i'm speaking with suzette kent chief information officer at u.s office of management and budget Coming up, we'll talk next about handling change in the aftermath of crisis. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black, and today I'm talking with Suzette Kent, Federal Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Office of Management and Budget. 
you know, we've been talking a lot about challenges and changes um, when you're facing a crisis. And, you know, one of the biggest obstacles to change is culture. Times of crisis have also been historically opportunities for change. When the current COVID-19 crisis hit, OMB really pushed to pivot to telework. What has been the biggest challenge that you faced across agencies with this move working remotely from a technology perspective or maybe even from a culture perspective? That, that is a phenomenal question. And it's a, it's a great question because it's a, a little bit of both. I think the bigger driver, it's really people behaviors. Because yes, there were some technical challenges. We had to scale, you know, VPNs. We had to ensure people had devices. We had to extend collaboration tools, um, pivot some cybersecurity tools. But agency CIOs were really able to handle those things very quickly. And they were about expanding capabilities that we currently have, not necessarily trying something new. But for people, it was doing something new. For many of them, they never used electronic signature. They never signed into a video meeting. Um, I laughed, I was talking to a group of executives and they're like, we screen shared a document during the meeting and they were actually really excited about it. But it's not that we didn't have those capabilities before this crisis. They were just not used to the extent that they are now in a maximum telework situation. And they were used as when I have to, um, maybe a snow day or, or you know, some you know, unique situation, not as a standard mode of how we work. So they're really you know, important parts of how we work in this environment that we had the capability, but people behaviors you know, didn't necessarily, they didn't choose to do those things. And so now it's not necessarily a choice. Um, there were really, you know, important parts of working in person that allow for collaboration. They allow for interactions to happen uh, at spur, you know, spur of the moment. And we have to figure out how we let some of those things happen, you know, in a remote setting as well. And some of the challenges as, as we looked at making changes, we also had to ask questions about processes because general telework we had capabilities but there were some other things where we didn't have a process that didn't require in-person activity so we had the opportunity to ask questions about what is an alternative way and those are things like onboarding you know offboarding and how we handle secure communication so we've learned that you know we can do this and that gives us the ability now to keep asking questions around what else can we do um, in a more digital more expanded environment and, and what that might let us imagine for what a footprint of the government looks like in the future and what are some ways that our workforce management approaches can change. I gotta ask you, how, what strategies, how do you keep your team or other IT government executives focused on sometimes doing what, have, at least in the past, most have believed is impossible? Part of that is uh, the great people on the team who aren't, um, they aren't daunted by something that hasn't been done before. And they do believe that there are ways that we will figure out how to make it possible. So, so part of that approach is setting a vision, right? Whether it is for a digital government, 
whether it is for where we hope to go with artificial intelligence, whether it's what a citizen experience looks like, uh, those, those things are how we look to the future and we challenge you know, our teams to use technology to deliver on those missions. One of the exciting things for me, it, you know, being in government, is that people are truly personally motivated and passionate about the missions that they serve. So they're willing to be creative and, and they want to serve, whether it's a constituency um, that they're you know, addressing or a certain set of things they have to deliver they are looking for better answers and they are looking for, you know, a, a better path forward. So it's exciting that we can set that bar and be able to use in the technology space, a myriad of tools to challenge those questions that we have not been able to answer. And it's really exciting when I talk with some of the agencies and they say, you know, three years ago, five years ago, this wouldn't have been possible. And, you know, I ask them sometimes, think about what you just said. Now, what are we going to do to, to, to be able to make that statement again in the next five years? So let me go back then. Let me ask you, what do you think this means for the future of creating a more effective way for the government to run? You know, we've, we've faced this change. We see that the telework can uh, work. There's been an incredible achievement of results from people. You know, I almost put it at a hero level of getting some of these things done remotely from the, their homes, their kitchens, their, their bedrooms. Um, you know, teleworking, getting the good work that that mission is that the government does. What do you think is, how do you think it will help us in the future to run more effectively? What do you see as being that future? Yeah, um, I think some of the, the elements are the same that we've already talked about. It's using data, it's digital delivery of services and capabilities, it's citizen-focused delivery of service, whether that means personalization or coming to them where they are or understanding you know, when they have a time of need. It's using scalable, robust commercial solutions, platforms, workflow tools you know, as a service tool that we can pivot with the actual intent and the scale uh, very, very quickly and being clear and continuing to, to communicate about that. When we do those things, that puts us in a situation where we can listen to needs, demands of citizens, of mission, move quickly to that, and transform you know, our operation to you know, that next step of the journey and that next path. And the way that we continue forward is then to, to assess those legacy things that we don't need to do anymore and you know, pull some of those things down so that our energy in the future can go forward in the journey. Um, and I'll use a, a, an example here. There was a particular process where, you know, the, 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 the old process was to package and mail, you know, documents to businesses. We can do it all digitally now. And we actually saw when we rolled out some of the digital capabilities, we rolled them out, you know, at the same time that 
the paper-based process was still in place, the acceptance was so fast, we very quickly were able to look around and say, wait a minute, you know, we don't need all this space to prepare mail packages, and, and we don't need people to, to create mail packages in person. What are our opportunities to do something better with this space and take these people who know a lot about this process and move them into another part of the process that's more value added, um, it, it's more important. And those are the types of things that are you know, going to continue to to spur us forward. And I and I've said in many different uh, scenarios. And you know, coming out of banking, it was it's very um, you know clear to me. Citizens have a high expectation of what they can do digitally from their phone, from their home, from a device. We have to meet those expectations as a government. You clearly reprioritized the IT strategy objectives from your office, but as part of your role is to ensure the IT strategy fits into the broader framework of the president's management agenda. And what do you believe will be the key priorities for our elected government officials as we go into post-COVID-19? I think that the strategies that were part of the president's management agenda make sense in any environment. COVID-19 actions are just a proof point for using them. So whether it's, you know, a vision for a digital government, both inside how we perform mission and outside for those citizen services that we discussed, they were the foundation of the administration's priority. And those were the actions, you know, it's the action steps that were, that were embedded in the, the PMA. And so what we've seen during the crisis is that these steps around modern technology use of data, workforce, focus on citizen services, um, bringing transparency and visibility to operational processes and spending, those are the right actions. And those are the things that we need to continue to do and we need to continue the charge. And, you know, as we expand those services and we continue to increase our effectiveness with larger scale, you know, um, remote work across agencies, we are gonna to continue to deliver, not only on the president's management agenda, but more resilient executive agencies overall, because they built you know, those underlying capabilities in technology and people you know, and process agility so that they can react to, to new challenges of mission or to new challenges from you know, crisis that may occur. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black, and today I'm talking with Suzette Kent, Federal Chief Information Officer at U.S. Office of Management and Budget. Next, we'll find out what Suzette's advice is to the next generation of federal leaders. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black, and today I'm talking with Suzette Kent. Federal Chief Information Officer at U.S. Office of Management and Budget. You know, Suzette, as we discussed earlier about change, times of crisis have historically been opportunities for change. But what about your organization? Any message to your team or other government executives now or post-COVID-19? This particular situation is absolutely um, created, you know, some opportunities and, and it, it actually issued kind of a challenge you know, a challenge that for which I have to say thank you to my direct team at OFCIO, the federal agency leaders, and particularly our vendor partners as well, because collectively 
they have risen to the challenge that has been presented for two things, not just response to COVID, but maintaining mission continuity at the same time. And they've done that you know, in service to our nation and in a way that is very personal uh, to get aid, relief, support to members of our business community, you know, people in our nation, but also to ensure that, that the government is open. We're open for business and primary missions are continuing to be served. It's been exhausting, it's been grueling, but the outcomes that have been achieved have been historic and inspiring. We are working at the highest telework levels ever. Agencies have deployed new capabilities to support citizens in hours and in minutes and hours, not weeks and months and years. And I am incredibly thankful for how in the time of crisis, the government executives and the technology leaders have worked together with that focus on those two things, you know, to serve our nation. What are some of the imperatives for government executives in the aftermath of of COVID-19? What do you think should be their top priorities? I think we have to capture what we learned and we have to keep investing for the future. We have to reward and rejuvenate the workforce. They have been through a challenging gauntlet and we have to be able to um, take those culture and behavior changes and ensure that we continue to move them forward. That when we go back to a working environment that, that looks more like, uh, you know, the one before this, that, we don't let the advances fall away. And that will be the challenge is to create a new normal uh, for working, not a, um, you know, a, a revert back to old practices and behaviors. Will you be looking to alter some of your current strategies for your organization, some specifics for OMB maybe post COVID-19? Um, I wouldn't say alter, but maybe accelerate. I mean, we had um, a lot of items in under the president's management agenda uh, for 2020 that were focused on enhancing digital services, you know, and digital service delivery for citizens. Um, we will continue and we may, you know, this may actually cause us to reprioritize them. We had expansion of telework and collaboration tools at many agencies as part of their journey. They've gone through that. This may give us an opportunity to bring forward some of those things that were next steps around more um, advanced sharing capabilities. And many of the things that we've done, you know, with data, we were able to take some of the foundational um, activities of the federal data strategy, and we had to share information across agencies in ways that we hadn't before in order to respond to this. And, you know, maybe we'll use those streamlined processes to move more quickly for areas where we wanted to solve, you know, or we need to solve, you know, tough problems that in most cases span multiple agencies. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Suzette Kent, Federal Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Office of Management and Budget. Uh, Suzette, um, what are you doing during this time of social distancing to keep yourself entertained? I, I got to tell you, I, I've been stress baking. <laughs> which probably hasn't been, been good for my uh, my waistline. But have you been doing anything? Uh, I know you don't have very many probably spare hours in the day or uh, minutes in the day, really. Um, but is there anything you've been doing for, that is different to keep yourself entertained? 
there are a few things that, and I, I'm laughing as uh, you, you share the stress baking because uh, my family and I have been trying out, you know, all those recipes that we wanted, but we never had the time to. And, you know, the spices in the spice closet, like, oh, I wonder what I'm going to do with this one. But I, I read um, voraciously. So I've worked through some of my pile of books. Uh, every closet in my house is now pretty clean and organized. And um, you know, my husband has been looking for things to do. So our, this is, our yard's probably going to look the best that it has ever looked. But uh, I've even watched TV, which I never do, um, except I watch Chopped. I like, I like the cooking uh, side as well. So I'm on that train with you. But what has been very different is that instead of you know, even in my normal work day, you know, instead of being kind of finite hours, it's continuous because the things that we've been doing for response um, run 24-7 cycles, and many of the agencies are running shifts, you know, around the clock. So the schedule um, has been, you know, very different as well. But uh, maybe we can uh, exchange recipes after the interview. <laughs> yes, seems like there's, there's not any Saturdays anymore. <laughs> I don't know about you. Um, Suzette, you've had such an amazing career and success. It's, it's truly inspirational when you look at what you've been able to accomplish. Um, any pearls of wisdom you would have for the next generation? I don't know if I call them pearls of wisdom, but but I will share the things that uh, I share with some of the folks that I mentor. Uh, some of I, I keep in touch with many of the individuals who've been part of my teams across my entire career basis. Uh, I talk to my children about their professional career, but a couple of those things is you know, push outside your comfort zone. Do, do some things that that make you that make you challenge yourself. Um, embrace diversity. Ensure that you, you're getting a wide range of opinions, especially when they're different from yours. And it's even more important when you're considering or looking at important decisions to ensure that that you're thinking through all the angles. Um, learn from adversity. What we just talked about with this COVID situation, but the things that I shared with your listeners about my career and different types of crises that um, have been part of my professional history, I have learned so much in those times where you really had to push it to the limit. And I will say one of the things that um, has made me the most happy is I, I have always prioritized my family first. And you know, those are the things that, you know, at the end of the day, no matter how hard I may work or what types of challenges, um, that's something that I feel really good about. You've been listening to Leaders and Legend in Government. My guest today has been Suzette Kent. Suzette, I want to thank you for joining us today and sharing your personal journey and some valuable advice. I'm Aileen Black. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black. Subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.